Good morning. A couple things up on the stage here, these handouts we've had for a couple of weeks now. One is for a prayer guide for the decision by the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade, just to be praying for that. And then secondly is the outline for the book of Hebrews. So you can get those. There's a few left there. But the other thing that's going to happen this morning when you're leaving, I've asked Ronald to organize a couple of our youth to hand out these little quarter sheet prayer things. And there's a picture on each of them. And they are the kids or the two teachers who were killed in Texas that we would be praying for their families. And so we did this Wednesday night. So as you're going out, you'll just get handed one of those. If you would just take that and be praying for the families of these uh, ones that have been taken, and uh, I mean, it's just a tragic, tragic, tragic thing. So um, we're in Hebrews chapter 2 this morning. Would you stand? I'm going to read a few of the verses. You can follow along on your uh, devices or your book. I hope you have a Bible with you of some sort, and you can read it as well as me reading it, and then we'll do a responsive reading. So in Hebrews this morning, chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 14 and take it through chapter 3, verse 2. So Hebrews 2, I'm reading from the New King James. Here we go. Verse 14, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he may, might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Therefore, verse 1 of chapter 3, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Responsive reading from Psalm 119. I'll read the uh, verse 97 in the odd, if you would follow and uh, read together uh, verse 98 and the even verses. Oh, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I may keep your word. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, we are in your word this morning. The things that we just read, that whole psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, all about your word, all about the, this incredible thing that you've given to us, where every time we read it, every time we hear it, you are speaking. It's alive and powerful. I pray, Lord, this morning, you would take the things that I prepared and give us ears to hear, break them fresh, Help us to receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls, the word by which we can see where we are, see where you're wanting us to go. We can understand things like never before because your word is the wisdom that comes from above that we need so desperately. I pray you'd increase, Lord, for us the hunger after your word to meditate in it and memorize it and read it 
just as a regular part of what we do. You said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Give us ears to hear, I pray now, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. So as we looked at, we're going through the book of Hebrews here. We looked on the last couple of studies on Jesus crucified, crowned, and captain. Jesus is not ashamed of us. Jesus became one of us to die for us. And then Jesus became one of us to help us. How many of you need help? And so this morning, I'm going to take a little segue. We're going to talk about temptation because it says there that he himself, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help or to aid those who are tempted. Now, in this study through Hebrews, next week, we get this word, therefore, and it happens uh, 28 times in the book of Hebrews. So whenever there's a therefore, you have to ask, what's it therefore? It's pointing us back to what was just said, and then before that, the same thing. So he says in verse 17, therefore, in all things, he had to be like his brethren. Brethren, He's able to aid those, help those who are tempted. Therefore, holy brethren, verse, chapter 3, verse 1, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession in Christ Jesus. Therefore, tempted, we're all tempted. Then in verse 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So these therefores are giving us, are taking us from this whole idea of Jesus helping us in temptation. Verse chapter 4, verse uh, 1, he says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest anyone seem to have come short of it. See, the temptations of the devil are to derail us from any of these things that God has for us through temptation and sin. And then in verse 11 of chapter 4 again, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So you get the, you get the feel of this here. He's able to help us. Therefore, let's look at Jesus. Let's consider the apostle and high priest of our confession. And then in verse chapter 4, verse 14 through 16, we read this. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. So we're going through a couple chapters. He's closing now chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Again, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, what? Tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Help. He's able to help us. He's saying, where do we find that help? It's at the throne of grace. Can you say amen? It's where we receive mercy. God wants to help us in all of these things of temptation. So the, he, the writer is taking us in this Hebrews discourse, much of it now on this whole idea of temptation, disobedience, unbelief, hard hearts, all those things that are a result of this adversary that we're fighting against, the world that we live in, and our sinful natures. So it's to bring us to Jesus, the Son of God, our great and faithful high priest. So Jesus is our helper. Can you say amen? Jesus is our helper. Now, he also promised to send another helper when he went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit. And he talks about that quite often in John chapters 13 through 17, where he's giving his last his last night with the disciples, and he's telling them, hey, I'm going away, but let me say, it's necessary that I go, otherwise the Holy Spirit will not come. And so in chapter 14 and verse 16, it says, and I will pray the Father, Jesus, 
And he will give you another help, which is another of the same kind, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, that he may abide with you how long? Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's what we have as believers. We are born again by the spirit of God. We have the third person of the Godhead as our helper. John chapter 14, again, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, the older you get, the less you rely on your memory. <laughs> Thank we have the Holy Spirit. He's going to bring to remembrance all these things that we might be walking with the Lord in victory over sin. Chapter 16, John. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. In other words, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit as our helper, Jesus as our great high priest, to help us in this area of temptation. So he says he is able to aid or to help those who are tempted. Now, here's the deal. There is no one that's not tempted. Temptation itself is not sin, but it can easily lead to sin, and that's the devil's agenda. So James says, let no one say when he is tempted. He didn't say, let no one say, no one say if he's tempted, but when he's tempted. We have this whole thing. So how many of you you need help when you are tempted? I can give you an answer. 100% of us in this room are tempted and need help in temptation. That's completely accurate every time. So tempt means to put to the test, to entice or attempt to entice, to do wrong. Synonyms would be to allure, to bait, to beguile, to betray, to seduce, to solicit, and on goes the synonyms. So this is exactly what the devil is scheming against you, particularly as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan is called the tempter. So Satan's hostility, his cunning power, his evil intent is towards God and his people and his purposes. So make no mistake. I said it last week, we'll say it again this week. Satan is out to get you through temptation. The thief, Jesus said, does not come except, there's only one reason for what he's doing, except to rob, to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. We have an adversary. He is the devil. So here's the deal. Satan tempts you to cause you to disobey God. Very simply. He tempts me to disobey God. How does he do that? Through fear, doubt, unbelief, lies and deceptions, to name just a few. We'll look at some of those this morning. His goal is to separate you and to separate me and to keep us separated from God. To put the chasm, make it bigger and bigger. Condemnation always drives you from God. That's the devil. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, our helper, is to draw us to God. Huge difference. 
And so he wants to keep us separated, estranged, if you will, from God's forgiveness, from God's mercy, from God's grace, from God's love that is ours through Jesus Christ, to separate, estrange us. And not only these truths, but it also would tempt you and tempt me to harden our hearts and despise his painful dealings with us through his chastisement, through his warnings, through his rebukes. You see, when someone loves you, that's part of the relationship. Speaking the truth in love. We're going to look at this in Hebrews. Don't despise the chastened Lord for whom the Lord what? Loves, he chastens. It just makes sense. That's what love does. Because love cares and God cares for us. So Satan tempts us to cause us to disobey God and separate us from all of these things that are ours in Christ Jesus or that can be someone who comes to Christ. So Satan is called the adversary, continually opposing God and all the things of God. At the outset of his public ministry, Satan was there to tempt Jesus to sin. Listen, it didn't work. He never sinned, but he had a cunning adversary. I don't believe I've ever faced him head on. That is Satan himself. I'm sure that the Lord has sent some of his lower rank cronies after me, but we're talking Satan with Jesus head on to tempt him to disobey God, to disobey the Father, to not do the Father's will. So in each temptation, and many of you know this, we've heard it many, many times, but may I remind you and myself this morning, in each temptation, he said what? It is written. It is written. It is written. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights after what he was hungry, that means he's now beginning to die. The body is saying you need to Give me some fuel here. 40 days. He was hungry. Now, when the tempter came, Satan is going to come at you and at me in our greatest times of weakness. If you are the Son of God, since you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered, said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He's quoting Deuteronomy, as he does in the other two also. It is written, and we don't have time to go into all these things, but the bottom, what I would like to just emphasize for each of us this morning is he always answered the devil. He answered the temptation with God's word. The second temptation, Matthew 4, 5 through 7, from Deuteronomy 6, Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Not doing it. The third one in Matthew 4, 8 through 10, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain. He said to him, all these things I'll give you. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve, Deuteronomy 6, 13. It is written, it is written, it is written. In Luke chapter 4, 13, it says this, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. The devil took every opportune time again and again and again to tempt Jesus throughout his earthly ministry. Make no mistake about that. 
And he is relentless with your life and my life as well. He's not going to stop. He's relentless. It's all he knows. He's the adversary. He's cunning and crafty. So he's coming after you. He's coming after me. That's not going to end. So we cannot know the viciousness of the hatred the devil leveled full force against Jesus. We cannot fathom the battle that Jesus fought every day to always do those things that please the Father, which he did. So I don't think those things in our finite limitations can we understand the depth of what's going on here. But friends, this we do know. Jesus answered every temptation of Satan with the word of God. And if that's what Jesus did, it is foolish for us to do like what, to do differently. It's foolish. It's folly. And Jesus, not only here, but as you read some of the accounts in the gospel, he went to the word of God again. He went to the word of God again. He went to the word of God again. It is written. It is said. Jesus, as the perfect human being and the man, the God man, went to the scriptures continuously. This is what God said. This is what God said. This is what God says. So, as I battle my temptations, my vulnerability to temptation or my victory over temptation is in answering this question. Will I obey God simply because he said it? That is a searching question because it necessitates faith. It necessitates trusting God. It, it, it necessitates that God knows what he's talking, and not only that, he's the authority in my life. That's the question. Will I obey God's word simply because he said it? Now, Satan's tactics have not, his tactics have not changed, but listen, neither has God's word. And so in Genesis, we read, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and said to the woman, Eve, Has God indeed what? Said? You shall, eat every you shall not eat of every tree. Satan already casting doubt on what God said. That's his tactic. Has God said? So first, he tempts Eve to doubt what God said. Then... He tempts Eve to deny what God said. In other words, you will not surely die. Contradictory. He's getting Eve to now deny what he said. And what did that lead to? He tempted Eve to do what God said not to do. She sinned. She took of the fruit and ate it. First of all, we had the whole doubt what God said in his word. And when that doubting starts to germinate, it'll, be, it'll lead then to denying what God said clearly in his word. God's word is not complicated. Read it. You understand it. And then the final thing is do it. Or don't do it. So he tempts to doubt, deny, and then to do what God has said not to do, which are sins of commission, or to not do what God said to do, which is omission. That's temptation. It is Satan's devices to get us to, to, to 
sin against God. So the question for you, for me this morning, will I obey God's word simply because he said it? Will I take that to heart in the prayer points of what's going on in my life in these areas of weakness and vulnerability and temptation? In Psalm 119, we had part of that this morning, but before the part we read, it says, how can a young man cleanse his way? How? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. How powerful is that? In our responsive reading, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, you, through your commandments, made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's God's word. In Psalm 1, blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of, the, of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he shall meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's the word of God. That's what God says to us. Meditate in the word of God. Spend time in the word of God. Chart and I went away last two weekends ago, I think it was. Hotel room on a Monday night, and then we had a meeting on, with Calvary Chapel pastors and wives on Tuesday. So we're in there, and I thought, man, maybe I can see a Mariner game. Because I just, we don't have a tea. I, you know, I can watch, I can do that little thing on the, where you just sort of watch it until it says what pitch it was. And so maybe I can see a Mariner game. So I'm flipping through the station channels there, and I came across this, this uh, it was on TBN. I don't know what you think about TBN, but I'm cautious with TBN. But as I'm flipping, here is, I saw Kirk Cameron in an interview with, with uh, James McDonald on this show, I didn't even know he had it, called Takeaways. Anybody ever heard of this? So he's interviewing James McDonald, and the title was Biblical Illiteracy. The church has a biblical illiteracy crisis. So he's talking to James McDonald about the Bible. And he says, Joan of Arc was not the wife of Noah. <laughs> taken, from inner, taken from questions or asking people. Sodom and Gomorrah were not husband and wife. <laughs> an epistle is not an apostle's wife. It is tragic how biblically illiterate this nation once not that, is now. And so Kirk Cameron is interviewing James McDonald. But he's, uh, Kirk says this, Never in human history has it been easier to read the Bible. There have been over 5 billion copies printed, 100 million of them sold each year, 20 million of which are in the United States alone. The YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded over 500 million times. Bibles are more accessible than any time in human history, yet people are less and less inclined to read it, to know it, and to believe it. It certainly is not seen as authoritative, unquote. And then James McDonald said this, quote, how many people are listening to this right now, this interview, and they don't realize it's not a matter of 
how, how Bible literacy is down. That's not, the, that's not the problem. It's not the question. No, it's that real things are happening in your life, and you're not equipped with the Word of God in your heart to defeat the enemy, unquote. That's the deal. It is written. I was told that someone recently attended a service here at CCS and went away critical, saying, all they do is teach the Bible. I said, I can receive that. It's far from all we do, but let me tell you, it's what we will always do. Amen. And I am so thankful that I've been given a heritage that taught me that. Are you the same? Listen, the Bible is God's inerrant, inspired, infallible, breathed into through many men, written to us, his love letter that is unlike any book that's ever, ever in all the annals of history been written. It is God's word. When a person is truly born again, as newborn babes, they desire the pure milk of the word that they may grow thereby. I am convinced that when someone is born again, if they are introduced to the milk of the word, they will begin to hunger for it, just like a healthy baby, hunger for it, and that will then translate into being able to digest meat. Hebrews is going to talk about this. We need to move on. Though you should be teachers, you're still in the milk of the word. And there's a place for that. But I believe with all my heart that if a newborn believer is given the understanding of just reading the Bible and that the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking, that they will not grow dull in the sense of losing appetite for what really the Spirit is longing for. And that's the Word of God. If they're never fed, if they never receive a good diet, their spiritual health will suffer for it until they do. But feed them, they're going to be hungry for the word. It's the same with us, week in, week out, month in, if we are not feeding on the Word of God, we will lose our appetite. We'll begin to be less sharp spiritually. We'll be putting other things in place of the nutrition that only comes through the Word of God. So Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testament of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judge of the Lord are true and righteous. I mean, are you hungry for those things? I'll bet you are. Verse 10, more to be desired than gold and much fine gold, yea, sweeter than honey than a honeycomb. More by them your servant more, and in keeping them there is what? Great reward. Verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. 
Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I say, yeah. That's hunger. That's health. The word of God. Yet there was one thing Paul the apostle emphasized to his disciple Timothy. It was for him to stay in the word, teach the word, and preach the word. Evil men, says 2 Timothy, evil men and apostles grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things you have heard and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them from childhood. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Let me segue a little bit out. We have children coming every Monday, every Sunday, and every Wednesday night to be ministered to in those rooms while we're in here. The Word of God. If you're not helping back there, I'm going to exhort you, encourage you. First of all, we need others. But behind doing it is the heart of God for these kids. The time we have to feed them, and you don't have to be some great story. You just need to get the Word out and begin to talk to them about the Word of God. From childhood, you've known the Holy Scriptures. What a fantastic thing to give to our children from childhood. He said, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, God breathed. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to be thoroughly equipped? He's saying, it's the word of God. He said, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is Paul's last letter. He is going to be executed. And here's what he writes in this final chapter to his son Timothy. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, that man may, that living and the dead, at, at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering. And what? Doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers who can itch their ears, make them feel good. And turn their ears away from what? The truth. And be turned aside to fables, lies, myths. But you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What is it? Preach the word. May I say also, I am privileged. And I know it's a great privilege to be able to come here on Sunday mornings and just talk about the word of God and teach the word of God. If it weren't for my heritage with Pastor Chuck and understanding these simple truths, I would not be doing what I'm doing. Because I wouldn't know how to. (laughs) But as God has called me as a pastor, as he said to, Jesus said to Peter in restoring him, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, tend my sheep. It's all the word of God through the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it's a blessing that you're hungry.
It's a blessing that you put up with me once in a while or all the time. Because brothers and sisters in the Lord, I testify to you this day, until God takes me home, I will not stop teaching the Bible. I'm not going to, and it happens. I'll tell you what happens. Anyone who's taught for any understands the battle that's there and often feeling so inadequate, would have been better thinking, you know, I should have just shut my Bible and walked off. But because I understand that God's word is what's doing the work. God's word is what's empowered. God's word is what changes lives. And you know this. I, I tell that, you know, I got a lot of scripture. If you can't keep up with me, I can't keep up with myself. That you can get my notes. But I really, I want to say just as a shout out to you, to our church, and thank, in thankfulness to God. Wednesday nights, I'm looking Greg here. Wednesday nights, we have young guys up here exercising themselves and what God's gifted them. Study the word, teach the word, going through the word. Wednesday night is fantastic because not only are we doing what I do here on Sunday mornings, the pulpit, if you will, we have now time to engage one another in the things of God's word and the spirit of God moving among us and bringing things out and bringing us to a place where we understand central to the life of the body is the word of God. You see, the devil is our adversary. He's a deceiver, and his, our minds are his battlefield. That's where he's working on tempting us. So 2 Corinthians, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. That's something that's going on in the mind. How do I know that? Because he says, casting down arguments. And every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, God's word is to direct us in obedience. The battlefield, the battleground is the mind to get us to think differently than what God has said in his word. To think differently about whatever it might be where God has given great clarity in the word. He's the evil one and the world is his playground. So in 1 John, we read this. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world, but love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor yourself. But it says, do not love the world. The world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, which are our passions, the lust of the eyes, which are our possessions, and the pride of life, which is our position. That's the world. Putting a spin on things, to cause us to sin against God, to love against loving God. He's, James says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the scriptures, he's talking again, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealous. The Holy Spirit, the helper in us, yearns for us to be obedient to God and to understand how that works and to empower us to make it work. So here's the resistance. The resistance movement. <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore, verse 6, or 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Let me say it again. Submit to God. How do you resist the devil? It is written. It is written. It is written. And I'm going to obey it because God said it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He is our helper. Jesus goes on to expose temptations from that passage, as we'll see in Hebrews. Temptation to speak evil of one another. That's a temptation and can become sin. The temptation to have arrogant attitudes. Kind of like you're in charge. No, you're not. If God wills that you live, then you can go to that city. But let's first ask, what if God doesn't allow you to live? Who's in charge? Not you. Loving riches. The love of money is the root of all evil. Paul wrote to Timothy. How about this? Impatience, grumbling. And the list piles up. Temptation tempting us to not obey God. In Hebrews, the temptations will be that are exposed. Central to all of them is not giving Jesus the preeminence as our great high priest, the Son of God, the the one who saved us. Central to this whole thing is when I sin against God. The temptation is to lead us that, but the first thing is give Jesus his proper place in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your life. Higher than the angels. The firstborn from this redemptive work that God did is Jesus. So in Hebrews... Harden our hearts to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Temptation. To hear and not believe. Temptation. To develop an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. To come short of God's rest and fall short through disobedience. He's going to hit all these things as we go through here. Listen, here's one. To not go on to perfection. There's a danger in that. We talk about it in chapter 6. Here's another one. To sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. These are all temptations that the devil is seeking to launch out against us so that we would give in to them and disobey God and sin against him. So this morning, the simple thing is Jesus is our helper no matter what the temptation. He said, in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he's able to help or aid those who are tempted. Jesus will help us in every temptation. Do you believe that? Do you cling to that as though to life itself? He is not against us. He is for us. He is our great high priest. He is the Son of God. He is merciful. He is faithful. He is Jesus. And I say, amen. 
And Hebrews is exactly what they write. He's drawing us back to Jesus and saying, yeah, we understand the cross that happened on earth. Do we understand what's happening in heaven? We have a great high priest who is there to help us in all of our temptations. Wow. So here are some things just to list out. In every temptation, how, how do we do this? He help us. In every temptation, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just look to Jesus continuously. Answer every temptation with the word of God. And then prepare for every temptation. As Jesus said to the disciples before he's going to the cross, rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. They fell asleep. Rise and, and pray lest you fall into temptation. No man, this, I, I heard this quote about a week, I think, Greg, maybe something you sent me, Leonard Ravenhill. He said, no man is greater than his prayer life. Wow. Now, is that convicting or what? No man is greater than his prayer life. And it's interesting, when they said, Jesus teaches to pray, you know what he said? When you pray. When you pray. And interesting, one of, the temp- one of the prayers in that model prayer, lead us not into temptation. Is Jesus going to lead us into temptation? No, he's with us in temptation. It's the devil who wants to take us away from having a mind fixed on Jesus. Answer every temptation with the word of God. Prepare through prayer. So Lord, help me to continue to keep my eyes on you on your kingdom, on the things that matter to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, take heed and take the way of escape. Jesus will help you. Secondly, hold fast, this is in Hebrews, hold fast your confession and come boldly to the throne of grace. We're going to get these as we go through Hebrews. Number one, take heed and take the way of escape. In Corinthians it says, these, all these things happen, the Old Testament, the word of God, all these things happen to them and they're examples, and were written for our help. So you look at the example in the Old Testament, and you find there it wasn't a perfect Israel. <laughs> Far from it. They all came out. They are all taken out of Egypt, all of them, and yet God was not pleased with all of them. And he begins to give us these examples of how they didn't take heed. They didn't take the way of escape, but disobeyed God, unbelief. I say, take heed and take the way of escape. What is the way of escape? Obedience. Hold fast your confession and come boldly. Hold fast our confession lest we disobey God. What's the confession? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson. He washed it white as snow. And he's my great high priest. He loves me. He died for me. He is not against me. He's for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? He who spared not his own son, but delivered him for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? How shall he not with him help us in whatever trouble we have and whatever temptations we're facing? Hold fast that confession. And Hebrews is going to be hitting this and hitting it. We have a salvation that is secured and anchored behind the veil where Jesus paid the price. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's ascended. He's our great high priest. We have this salvation that's signed, sealed, and delivered for us because what? We believed. That confession. 
And now we operate not for salvation, not working for it, but we operate from it. Because he did all the work. And now what God has for us is a relationship with him that's growing and deepening. We know the width and length and depth and height. We know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. We're filled with all the fullness of God. Why? Because we have this confession. James says, endure and do not be deceived. Blessed man who endures temptation. Endure it, because it's going to be it's going to necessitate that. Receive the word, James again, and do the word. Don't be a hearer only, but be a doer of the word. For he who does not hears the word, not doer. He's like a man looking his face in the mirror, and he sees himself, he sees what he's like, and then he walks away and forgets what manner of man he was. But he who does the word. He who takes and applies the word in obedience begins to understand what pure and undefiled religion is all about. It's relationship. And the final word is, Jesus is coming soon. <laughs> the final victory is coming down the mountain when he comes. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. And we read in Revelation... The great dragon was cast out, the devil, the serpent of old, Satan, who deceived the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then they heard a loud voice saying, heaven, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused us before them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him, the devil. <laughs> They overcame how? By the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. So by what God did for us and what God did in us. And what he's doing in us. And then they did not love their lives unto death. They lived, in a sense, to die. They lived, in a sense, to physically die, but be resurrected in a glorious new body. And so shall we ever. Jesus is coming soon. And so he is here to help us. He is here to help us. Can I have the worship team come out? Would you stand with us? And let's sing this last song. And then I want to close with the wonderful benediction at the end of the, at the, end of the book. Just bow our hearts, Lord. As the word, yeah. We love you, Lord. We love you. And Lord, it's right. Anytime during the day, even now, just to stop for a moment and worship you. And focus our attention on you again. You are, God, you change not. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you've promised, you will do. The things that you have on your plans will be accomplished. And then we bow before you, Lord. What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you take care of him. Who am I, Lord, that you should... Have this kind of care and love for me. So we bow before you, Lord, to worship you right now in song. You who alone are worthy.